begins now. Capital 263. Welcome to Politics and Beyond on Capital 263. My name is Christopher Farai Charamba. My name is Upenyu Makoni Matenga. And I'm Tawanda Henry Beatty. And yeah, welcome to the best uh, political podcast in the country, on the continent, um, certainly in this hemisphere. Um, and yeah, um, once again, we have uh, a very valued guest. I found other words besides special <laughs> <laughs> today. <laughs> that dictionary app is working for you, huh? <laughs> yes, indeed, we do. Um, Tondurai Mudambo. Hi, Welcome good morning. To... Thank you for having me. No, thank you for being here. Um, today is, what's the day today? The 12th of August. Yep. Ah, indeed, oh. yes. Yeah. So mm-hmm. we're <laughs> recording yet another episode. Yeah. Henry is still Ameno Kwari Gogo. Out there <laughs> in the diaspora. <laughs> <laughs> Living in the diaspora. But yeah, no, thank you, Tonde. Tonde actually um, blogged about us. Mm-hmm. We, so we made a list. You know how Zimbabweans love making lists. Like, <laughs> I in, no, as in, no, in the sense of being on a list is a big thing. Really? Yeah. Okay, I appreciate that. Yeah, I didn't expect like a lot of or as many people who responded to it to respond to it because it was just like a list of the podcasts I like listening to and politics and beyond is my favorite Zimbabwean podcast. So. Shout out to us. Yeah, because yeah. <laughs> the good. best Zimbabwean podcast. that is true that is true so tell tell our listeners tell tell us what you do okay i'm tonderai um i'm a law grad um i specialize in financial law corporate finance mergers and acquisitions and yeah i'm currently looking for a job though so in my spare time i write i blog i do activism civil civic society stuff yeah basically impressive Okay, thank you. <laughs> yeah, very. You say so. Yeah, it is a, sp- a, a space. I think we we're going to be accused very soon of of harboring activists. Oh. <laughs> is that a bad thing? No, no, no. It's not a bad thing. Yeah. It's not a bad thing actually. Uh, she, must, she must just say. She must just say that she's got political ambitions now. Ah, <laughs> yes, <laughs> come out in the open. No, 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 that, no, no. That's, that's that's what it is. Activists mm. tend to then want to jump into the political, mm. um, you know, yeah. sphere. Yeah. It's mm. okay to be yeah. the change. No. <laughs> no, I will let uh, others. You know, Vakuru Achungait. <laughs> Yeah, well, that, yeah. that was some shade, though, Henry. That was a lot of shade. I wasn't shade. It wasn't shade at all. when are you launching your, your political career? Any moment now. Just keep a, keep an eye out. You'll see it. It'll be the pink party, you know. I think our symbol will be maybe, I don't know, pink panties. I don't know. We're, we're working <laughs> it out. We're working it out. The wow, pink okay. panties. Watch the space. This year, Makala Shapira I'm actually. I was actually thinking, Henry, if we were to start our own, what what colors would we pick, Sha? Black. I don't know. Oh. May, I, may I like teal? I like teal. <laughs> Who said teal? Black? I just <laughs> teal. Yeah, black. <laughs> Why <Yeah>. black? <laughs> I don't know. To represent the people, I guess. I oh, know. okay. You're like black is for the people, <laughs> green is for the yeah. Yeah. That's very revolutionary. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah. Today we're gonna be. Uh, discussing a couple of things there's things happening beyond our borders so we get to do a bit of a beyond episode today uh elections in kenya uh there was also the vote of no confidence this week in south africa jacob zuma they're trying to impeach him and failing um it's because he can dance you guys i saw a video and i was like that's why that guy isn't going anyway he can dance he's got moves that's all that's all you need that is all I He's got my vote for Robert. That guy, I haven't seen him dance. I haven't seen him <laughs> but, dance. But he's been there, Kafo. Maybe he's doing it for other people. Oh, okay, fair yeah. enough. <laughs> anyway, yeah, and then we'll come to what's happening locally. We've got a, a billion-dollar university that's uh, about to hit Mazoe. <laughs> Mugabe, you. <laughs> yes, Mugabe, you. <laughs> and then... Um, there was uh, the video of uh, Professor Moyo's presentation to Politburo also came out this week. Um, uh, leakers and them, leakers. <laughs> mm. So yeah, so we'll discuss a bit about that. And I don't know what else is happening. I know there's a there's another youth 
uh, interface uh, something something happens. today today yeah and my mungabe is not there um oh okay i think so. she's gone to, for a checkup no uh, headlines then <laughs> what is cpc <laughs> going to do for content that sucks wow okay yeah. <laughs> so yeah um kenya elections they took place on tuesday was it mm-hmm. yeah yeah mm-hmm. this and past, um, yeah. you know there's there's a lot of controversies that happen in african elections oh. let's let's start there and a lot of parallels can be drawn to what's happening you know what what's happened there and what could potentially happen here their election uh, commission was accused of being fraudulent um raila odinga has lost but he says that the elections mm. were rigged uh he came out with some evidence of i don't know something to of um, temp Tampering. tampering with the electrics yeah. with, the, with the, um, the final electrical counts, yeah. yeah tampering and then um didn't you, he like just declare himself to be the president of Kenya yeah he, he said <laughs> odinga yeah, yeah he, he did he, oh yeah he did so so there's there's that whole thing and um mm. um kenyatta is really i think this time around even as much as people might want to say you know also all sorts of things about rigging and odinga's put up this fight i think kenyatta's really just sailed through because the observers seem to think you know the observers, the observers didn't think quotes. yeah didn't think that it wasn't it was a bad election from what i understood people were more in kenya were more concerned about political violence as compared to the 2007 election so i don't yeah that guy yeah. survived Kenyatta. Kenyatta, yeah, Uhuru. Kenyatta, no, I think Kenyatta is being rightly rewarded for, for good economic management in the last few years because if you look at where Kenya was in 2007 and where Kenya is in 2017, just economically, they, they've taken leaps and bounds. I mean, it's not perfect, but they've definitely, you know, demonstrated growth. And I think Kenya was one of the first, um, you know, African economies to move away from agriculture uh, being um agriculture and mining being their primary uh you know economic drivers like so i think kenyatta is just being rewarded for 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 sound economic management but is yeah. economic management it's it feels a little bit like it's a trade off do you do you want you know full civic rights or do you want economic prosperity that's kind of what it feels like mm. i don't know the whole situation is a bit weird to me because i think his pres- his father was the president and then Rilo Dinga's father was also the vice president so there's a lot of maybe legacy that's in who who Kenyatta's favor i think yeah so yeah i i mean i think Kenyatta's reasonably done well for Kenya in over the last 10 years um there is definitely legacy and he, it he's also got a lot of money yeah in yeah. his in his own capacity <laughs> that helps. so yeah. it it definitely helps in terms of the election it helps that he was an incumbent mm-hmm. and he he had the reach he had the 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 resources of the state odinga on the other hand has been in the opposition for a very long time um you know and he, his father was actually in the opposition as well i think so there's there's yeah. it's, it's 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 really a a a dynasty thing and mm-hmm. i saw a lot of people on online were commenting and saying that they are so pleased that this will be the last time they will see Kenyatta and Odinga on the ballot box like this is <laughs> this is it <laughs> I wouldn't be so doesn't yeah. I'm sure they've got sons as well yeah. very, can Odinga thing. run again for the third time after this yeah, or he can run as many times but but he's he's in, he's 75 now uh, okay. so yeah, no, he's an old man. <laughs> Since but, when does that matter in Africa? Right. Because didn't, like, the president, <laughs> the former president of Senegal, he's 91, and he just ran again go. in their elections, like, last month. So, you know, you can... I mean, look, the thing is... How old is our president? He's got time. He's got yeah. another 20 years. Yeah, but the, yeah. Thing, <laughs> is, but the thing is, is you, how much of a toll does it take to continue losing? It would be different. The former president of Senegal, he is 91, but, you know, he, he, he won an election at some point or he became president at some point, you know. But Odinga is a serial loser. But he's also a career opposition politician. Yes. So, and clearly, as you say, there's legacy there. So what else? I mean, is he, is he, what is he going to do? No, Farm? he's also got money. 
He's also he's also got a, but that's he's his also job. Got money. That's literally his job. Man, I don't know. At seventy five, you his you're job is to run for president. Get tired. It's just like I, I think his name is is it Besigye in Uganda. Yeah. he's been the Yoweri Museveni has been like the president of Uganda almost as long as our president has been in power, and that guy's been around for I think more than a decade. And he keeps losing, like not mm-hmm. even close, but he's still going. So yeah. maybe he feels like he has some sort of purpose. So, I don't know. so at this juncture, <laughs> let me draw some parallels to what's happening in our own country. Because this seems to be the template in African countries. You've mentioned Uganda, Kenya, Zimbabwe. We've had a long-term president. Mm-hmm. And we've had a guy in the opposition who's been there mm-hmm. what, 18 years now. Since 1998. This is going yeah. to be his 2005 eight. 13. This is going to be his fourth election. Mm, yeah. And despite what happened in 2008, he didn't, you know, yeah. come out as president. Mm. But he's going to go into this next election and he's likely to lose again. Yeah. But it's so, a career. It's a job. I think, I don't know. I think people, people are a bit unfair to, to opposition leaders. Like, you know, what you see in, for example, the Kenyan um, stance, um, Odinga in 2007, um, there was so much violence that he was forced into a power-sharing deal, not with Uruguay Kenyatta, but with Mwai Kibaki. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, that's when he came in to, to be prime minister of Kenya at that time, and they led them to the next election, and then he lost that election um, to Kenyatta, who was backed by Kibaki then. So I think the, the differences uh, are significantly there. Previous to that, he had actually been in the government. He wasn't in the opposition. He had actually been in the government. Um, he was a minister. So, you know, just that's on the spe- specific Kenyans thing. But I think that in general, you, your, your political environments um, breed, uh, they mirror each other because it's dangerous to step up in the opposition in a place like Uganda or in Zimbabwe or or in Kenya. So you, you find people who have made it and who have staying power, the ones that are constantly turned to and looked towards to, to lead the opposition. No, it's, 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 for me, it's very interesting um, in the sense that we speak that when we're looking at a pan-African idea and the things, the, the similarities between different countries and what the solutions could possibly be. I know that... Um, Changirai was in, was he in Uganda or was he in Kenya? I think he was, he was in, in Kenya. Kenya. He was in Kenya, yeah, yeah before, before the election. Um, and these guys are, you know, trying to figure out how they can take on the incumbents. Um, I think it's difficult even when we get, I think later on when we speak about South Africa, for you to, like I said, Kenyatta has the legacy of his father being like, you know, the former president. Was, was his father yes, the first president? president? Yeah, the first, president. the first president. Yeah, so he has that whole, the revolutionary legacy and things like that. And for some people, maybe if they don't like the head of the party, they'll still vote for the party because they feel like that's the party that brought independence and they have all of that sort of mythology around them. So... And I guess most of our African countries are still developing rural base. So for people in the rural areas, that's what they know. And I think it's hard for opposition parties like the MDC, who start off in the unions, which are mostly in the cities, to branch out to where most people are living in the rural areas. Maybe that's what it is. I definitely agree with you that it's difficult for an urban movement to translate its grievances to a rural population because their lived reality is vastly different. Different, from an urban population, but on the issue of um, running and career politics particularly, my problem is that there's no, um, we don't necessarily have a thinking or an understanding that if somebody has failed a certain number, three, four elections, and you have yet to beat the incumbent, then perhaps it's time for different thinking, different blood, a different set of people to take on that problem. And I agree with you, Henry, that yes, you know, it, it's hard being an opposition politician, but maybe the issue is also that we want to hold on to the little bit of power that we do have, and we're not looking at what the big picture is, which is to remove the incumbent and create a better demo- democratic society. No, no I, I, can agree. I can agree. Um, speaking of removing incumbents... Um, but before, before, we we get to, to, be, before we get to that, though, yeah. interestingly enough, also in Kenya, you had the Boniface Mwangi... Uh, situation um, who Boniface Mwangi started off as an activist 
Um, and then he launched his political career. He ran for uh, uh, to be a member of parliament, and he had a huge uh, social media presence, online presence. I think his Twitter has um, 700 and something thousand followers. You know, he gained international attention. People were very interested in what it was. And he ran a brand new campaign, very different from how, you know, everyone had done it. And everyone thought online at least he was going to win and he lost to the jubilee party candidate i think his name he's a he was an, an artist mm. music artist his mm. name's jaguar and he came third actually i think he got 13 percent of the vote the guy who came first got like 50 something and the other guy got like 30 something or something so it was quite a shock to to people was online. it an urban constituency I yeah, th- yeah, it largely. was largely urban, largely and it was urban. it was a constituency. I think he actually came from. So, so, does he live in Nairobi or? I'm not sure what the name of the constituency he's, is, no, but he yeah. but he's based he's he's based he's from that constituency. He's based okay. in Kenya. But yeah, I mean, seven hundred and something thousand. What is it? Twitter followers. Yeah, <laughs> they're not all in Kenya, guys. No, that's true. Twitter is global. Yeah, and, and that doesn't translate to votes. Kenya, like, you know, it's like a tech hub. Yeah. So a lot of people in Kenya have the internet and they use it a lot. And Kenya's, what is their population? It's quite big. So it's not a stretch to imagine that, like, maybe people are following him and they're listening to what he's saying and they're responding to it, but they may not, one, live in his constituency, and then, two, they may not actually agree or want to vote for him just exactly. because they're following him on Twitter. 48 million is the population. 48 million. Yeah, so. But I think it was, it's, um, what's his name? Malcolm Gladwell coined this term, clicktivism. So your 700, it's so easy to click on, on somebody's follow, the follow button, right? Mm. But are you, when you click, are you going to leave your house and go and vote? Are you going to register to vote? Isn't this the same problem that we're facing in Zimbabwe? Because it really worries me when candidates say, no, I saw on social media that people were calling me to run for the presidency. And I think I have a chance, but you haven't measured that. What does that mean? Because your 200,000 Twitter followers might be 10,000 in Zimbabwe, 200 who are going to vote, and then the remainder are out in the diaspora. So I think we need to be a little bit more realistic about popularity online versus popularity with the grassroots. Henry? Um... Yeah, I agree. It's, it's it's I don't I don't really see, and I worry about that. I'm drawing some parallels with his campaign with some of our own, um, you know, uh, activist come politicians on on yeah activists come politicians mm-hmm. online activists. I think that running a campaign um, and it's the same conversation we're having with Dr. Nkosana is that people do things a certain way for a certain reason, and. Um, you know, whether you're running for president of the United States, whether you're running for prime minister, there's certain things that politicians do, um, including rallies, including, you know, these meetings and things like that, because they work. So, uh, you know, I, I would never look at my Twitter following count and think that's a measure of my influence on the ground. I mean, let me not uh, put down what Boniface did, because he was on the ground and he did run an on-ground campaign. But I think, you know, there is that balance that, that is that is there, and in contrast, then you have John Paul Muirigi, who was twenty four years old, uh, a student. Mm-hmm. He won in his constituency. He had no money for posters. He literally went door to door, and he eventually got help from the Boda Boda drivers, or I think mm-hmm. they're the taxi wow, drivers yeah. in Kenya, and he won in his constituency. So you look at, I, I think it. I, I'm not sure what kind of constituency it was. I think it might not be as urban as you know. Uh, but he he hooked up with the power block taxi exactly. drivers. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's a power block. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's it's a serious. You're on the ground. I mean, remember when that Nkosana um, Zim dancehall song came out, and I commented and I said, if he can get this played in yes. Makombi, then he's literally got wide yes. distribution. So it's it's very interesting to see, um, you know, the way different things work, yes. and I don't think there's a formula to it. You can't downplay online um, campaign or online presence. But at the same time, elections are fickle. Yes. But they're also a trust 
factor. People have to sort of believe in the individual and sort and trust um, that if I put my vote next to your name, then I'm going to get something serious out of it. I don't know if it's about belief in the candidate. I mean, imposition of candidates is a testimony to that you to, you don't necessarily have to believe that, in the candidate. True. So maybe belief also in or trust in if it's not the candidate, then the party. Maybe not even. But for me, it's about kingmakers and power brokers. So um, the twenty-four-year-old in Kenya. That's a type. That sounds like a title of a good book. <laughs> <laughs> I'm working on it. Don't worry. <laughs> But yeah. if you if you hook up with Zanu PF is a power broker and a kingmaker, right? Mm. Yeah. So if you hook up with either one of those in your ecosystem, you're bound to win something. But I don't believe that a candidate anywhere can make it on their own. I honestly don't. Our dynamics are too complex for that. Yeah. Very interesting. So I hope I hope you're wrong, um, but I, I I don't have any evidence to the contrary. <laughs> Well, the thing is, you have to get support, guys, and you and you have to get some sort of endorsement or people to vouch for you in some in some formal way. Yes, because you can't speak to everyone. So even when I speak to, you know, someone I know on your behalf, then there has to be that trust factor. There has to be, you know, people vouching for you at the end of the day. Exactly. Yeah, fair enough. Um, Jay Zizi. South Africa. He stays winning, doesn't he? Yeah. I, he's, 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 yeah. This no. is, this That's is, a power broker. <laughs> that is a yeah. power broker. <laughs> yeah. His ex-wife went to him. She's helping him with... He's helping her, sorry. With her yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's going to be the next president if he, he survives. So... He might well as might really well be the next um, um, South African president. I well, think she will. Be well, too. if she manages to be president of the ANC, I think her main rival is Cyril Ramaphosa. But if she manages to be president of the ANC, then it's sort of a done deal. Yeah. Yeah. No. Um, yeah, so so so, so Mshlolozi was uh, up against the opposition parties mm-hmm. for the eighth time. This was their. <laughs> Eight attempts to impeach him, which is quite wild, to be quite honest. Um, but it says a lot about their democracy. I mean, mm. I don't think we'd even get a impeachment one, one <laughs> no. onto the one. floor. But yeah, so um, the interesting thing about this one was it was by secret ballot. Um, For the first time. Yes, Baleka Mbete, mm. the Speaker of the House, shocked everyone on Monday when she came out and she said, I'm just saying my statement no questions mm-hmm. at the press conference. No questions. I'm just going to tell you what it is. Uh, secret ballot. And then she walked out. Wasn't she following a constitutional ruling? She, she w- was. Yes, she was. Yeah. So, but the constitutional ruling said that she has the power to decide. But her decision must be a, uh, a fair one. It must take in all the considerations. Because there is no... Uh, in their constitution, it doesn't say whether it should be by secret ballot or... Um, Secret or open. Oh, it just says yeah. that the speaker has the power to decide, power to decide what decide. it is. But the problem was, is they everyone uh, in the opposition said it had to be secret ballot because some people fear to intimidation. Protect, yeah, yeah, to the protect. ANC members want to vote against the president. Exactly. Yeah. So she decided and then they went and they voted on um, Tuesday but, again, yeah. same day mm-hmm. as Kenyan elections. Mm-hmm. And... I think there were 177 votes uh, to impeach, mm-hmm. 198 not to impeach, and about, I think it's 20-something. Spoiled. Uh, uh, abstained. 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 No, or nine and abstained. And you needed two. No, nine abstentions. Nine abstentions. Yeah. And, and, yeah. Yeah. and so, yeah, and they needed 201 to, to impeach mm-hmm. him. Yeah. And what it is, though, is that there were actually about 30 or so members of the ANC who yeah. either abstained or they voted to yeah. impeach Zuma. Mm-hmm. So the margin is actually getting smaller because the last mm-hmm. time I think it, you, did, you had 100. It was a whitewash. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, so, so the margin is getting smaller and it, it, it goes to show the, um, how unsettled the ANC actually is right now. Mm-hmm. It's, um, it's Zuma's fault because he hasn't um, 
truly allowed Cyril um, or or truly allowed the successor to emerge before the coming Congress. He's the one that's causing the the the, the, the nonsense and the noise in the party at the moment because generally what we've seen is that going into the Congress where they're changing presidents is the the leader is is anointed already. But don't you think, I mean, in view of um, Kosana Lamini Zuma's aspirations, don't you think that there's a little bit of um, back office play or something is happening in the back office for him to hold the door open? No, no, she's his preferred candidate. Uh, mm. my, my, my understanding is it's, uh, it's Gupta money versus white capital money in Cyril Ramaphosa's white capital uh, finance and uh, Gupta money in, in Kosana Lamini Zuma, who in her own right, is a very capable and very um, very accomplished woman. But unfortunately, she's uh, irrevocably tainted by, by, by Jacob. Yeah, I think there's that. But I think I'm fairly certain that like, there's the Gupta issue as far as Zuma is concerned. But I'm, I'm certain there's also white monopoly, monopoly capital that's sponsoring Zuma in some sort of way. But I guess because Cyril is like, you know, the big businessman and things like that, then... It sort of seems like it, but I don't think the two are like completely divorced as how people are trying to paint it. I think, I don't know, it's, it's, a, it's a difficult one. I think maybe it's because also she's a woman and there's never been a woman president of the ANC that maybe there might be some dissension in terms of that. That's I was reading a factor, article. not the main one, but I think it's a factor. Yeah, I was reading an article about her um, in the, I think it was the Department of Home Affairs, and it was actually, it was attacking her ability to lead, her ability to make decisions. Um, and it was just, and her leadership style in general was, you know, sort of describing her as very cold and distant and, you know, very much um, about the letter of the law. And I don't think that's uh, a quality that's necessarily desirable in, in a politician. I mean, you contrast her with Jacob Zuma, for instance. So... I think, yes, I agree with you that partially it is because she's a woman and we're a little bit afraid of women uh, in with power. <laughs> God knows why. Yeah, maybe also the anti-intellectualism yes. thing, which is very funny because she used to be married to Jacob Zuma, but she's a doctor. So he in a way, they sort of like a foil <laughs> to each other. Dance. So yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's, I mean, you know. it's, it's interesting, the factionalism in, in the ANC and what it's done to their power base because whilst it's happening people are looking for other options the aff has become an option the da has become an option before it used to be you know very white but now mm-hmm. it's started to 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 change and people have you know picked a lot more interest in in it and ramaphosa one of the things he doesn't have going for him is that he comes from a minority tribe in south africa what uh, is his tribe I think he's from the Sutu. He's Sutu? Okay. I think so. Either, I'm not too sure. I'll have to, to check. But he's not one of the major ones, which is the Gosa and the Zulu. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there, there is that factor as well playing within the ANC um, dynamics. And it will be interesting. I really do think that the ANC is going to, uh, whatever happens at their Congress, whoever the next leader is, um, straight after that, they're going to boot Zuma the same way they booted um Tabombeki. Uh, if it is Ramaphosa, it might not be the same if it is Kosasana Lamini Zuma, but really I don't I don't think it would be wise for them to take him all the way to 2019. Because no, definitely not. They'd get a drubbing in that. I mean, they'd still probably win the election, but it would be very close. They'll definitely lose parliament. They'll lose parliament. Yes. They'd like yeah, they'd like they'd, they'd likely lose parliament. You think he'd be a one-term and, um, president? Who? Ramaphosa. Ramaphosa, yeah, he'd probably go on one term. He probably would. What's some, um, you know, like, I keep watching this um, this uh, South African situation with such um, with such fascination and a lot of jealousy because <laughs> I keep thinking to myself, no matter how bad Zuma is, no matter what happens, they know that he's going in 2019. Like, they have that in their heart, they know. But they're making all this effort to get him going now, like, but for them, they know what, hey, look, at the end of the day, in 2019, he's gone no matter what. And for me, that's something I really envy. <laughs> <laughs> I think they're like, no, we're not going to let you get away with the full two terms. Go now. Go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
they set a precedent with Mbeki, which is, you know, a, let me say, a wrong precedent. Um, because... You said a wrong president. A president. wrong president. Yeah, a wrong president. Um, and because it was Zuma who was involved with that, he's really doing everything he can not to go. So he's... The way the ANC is structured now is really for... Was it not Zuma and Malema who did that to him? It was. It yeah, was. It was. Yeah. And, then, and then Malema saw the light. For... <laughs> he did eventually, Because yeah. <laughs> even like the EFF, it's actually like a breakaway of the ANC. ANC Youth League, yeah, basically. Yeah. 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 So, but you know what? Kudos to South Africa because one thing I hope we do achieve in 2018 is we get a a balanced parliament. Oh. So I don't, I, you know, whoever comes out with a majority must just not have an absolute majority of two thirds because it it really makes things. You go through five years and whoever has the absolute majority can literally do what they want. There's only two. Um, parts of the constitution that have to go to referendum. That's the Bill of Rights and um, the land issue. Mm. Everything else, it just needs a two-third majority to pass in, in, in parliament. And we saw what happened with the uh, First recently. Amendment yeah, yeah. recently. So I really do hope that we have a strong parliament in the sense that there is some sort of balance next year. But do you think that can happen considering our main opposition party has not been participating in local government elections? Do you think it's possible? I do think so. I think by-elections are a lot different to national elections. But the danger is that I think opposition parties might be too focused on the presidential election that they're not putting effort into who's running in the parliamentary elections. Yeah. And, and, and I they, tweet. Yeah? No, go ahead. Finish. Um, yeah. So, so, so if they are not people on the ground, if they are not actively working and campaigning in their own right, in their own constituencies, then we could end up with a situation where, you know, they, at the last minute, they rush to find out, especially with this coalition situation going on, mm-hmm. they rush to plonk people in different constituencies to fill the 210 uh, seats and then they just get a complete drubbing because ZANU-PF is on the ground right now. Oh, yeah. I agree. Yeah, no, I think... Go ahead. I'd, with, I definitely agree with those sentiments. I'd, I even tweeted that as much. Is that if I was in the opposition right now running a campaign, I would be starting from the bottom up. I wouldn't be even worried about the presidential candidate. Um... Because I think uh, my estimation is that it's a foregone conclusion. Whoever's going to who is going to be the next president. But what you need to do is stop Zanu from the first thing they'll do if they win a supermajority again in their first sitting in parliament, they're going to amend the constitution and remove term limits on the president. Mm. Well, they just that's gonna, the next thing that they they're just going to change those schedules, anti their schedules to after that some certain things that come into effect after ten years. So after the two after yeah. the two terms that yeah so yeah but yes yeah, so, so we really don't yeah. need a two thirds majority. I what think. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, I think the problem is is in terms of um, thinking and is in terms of strategy. So because any every opposition movement that has announced its its uh, aspirations has started with "I'm running for president." And that has always percolated down to issues within, I mean, fractures. How many MDCs do we have now? Um, to fractures and even with, uh, what is it called? The Zimbabwe People First also fractured because of the issue of presidency. I agree with you that in terms of strategy, it's a very bad strategy to t- try to take out a guy who has the behemoth of the entire country running you know, a campaign strategy for him. And I think... Very rightly, you're very right to say that, you know, start small, start in the councils, start in parliament, get your majority there, because that's actually how you guarantee a constitution. Yeah, I think, isn't that what the EFF, to bring it back to the South Africa example, to compare, they did that, and then in the their municipal elections in 2016, that's how they managed to gain, like, I think, was it a million votes the first time that mm-hmm. they'd ever, and they just, they're starting small, they're not mm-hmm. saying, they're saying, yes, we want to... Um, want to take out, you know, Zuma's ANC, want to remove their majority, but you can tell that the EFF is on the ground. Yes. They're in the universities, they've got, you know, EFF Youth League, they're there, and, you know, they're visible, not just 
as far as Julius exactly. Malema. Because for us, for example, in Zim, um, who knows who the president of the MDC youth is? There you go. But we know Mbuyisa Nishlozi, we know Simam Keleshakavu, there are other people in the AFC, EFF, sorry, other than Julius Malema that are visible, who are there, who are young, and who are on the ground, they're doing things. But in Zim, can we say the same? No. So, but we're not I think Zim, but it's not. A, it's a combination also of, of the media spaces that are, are available to, to South Africans. The fact that Malema can be covered by, you know, AN7, by um, ETV, without even being covered by SABC. So, like, I think a lot of that has to do with the access to, to information that we have in the country. But you know what? I, I agree. But on the on the flip side, we do, in the print press at least, we have a lot of independent newspapers who also don't um, write about a wide spectrum of things. You know, it's yeah. very, it's the narrative is very um, polarized, but it's also very thin. Mm-hmm. They don't cover widely. And I also don't know if political parties themselves take the initiatives to get, to use platforms to get their message out to, you know, as holistically. So you'll hear about what the upper echelons of the political parties are doing, but when it comes to the structures and going down, what's happening at those levels? I mean, it's it's very, you know. Yeah, we we ourselves. I mean, I, w- I wouldn't call I wouldn't call seven or eight independent newspapers a lot. <laughs> it's enough. No, no, no. I'm not saying I'm not saying it's in terms of newspapers. It is, but I'm not saying it's 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 um, the, the be all and end all of the media space. But it is an avenue that I don't think is being utilized well enough. I agree. Because I think media in its entirety, even independent media, does create that monolithicness of ZANU-PF because it, it's sort of, there's no way for you to attack the structure, right? There's no, there's no other way for you to attack the structure other than to say, okay, I want to run for presidency. But we know that the structure can be very weak at the bottom. But because we're all focused on this one giant shiny thing, it's it's difficult. It's difficult to take apart. And uh, there's just like I agree. I don't think we have a very healthy political or no. vibrant per- political culture in this country. It's just very much focused on the center of power. Yeah. And the cult of personality. Yeah. So I guess maybe people don't even know like who my MP is. They exactly. Don't <laughs> I don't think people are <laughs> even my invested in that. I mean, yeah. Which ward am I in? You people see, don't care, so. people don't care. That's I'd, I'd why say, we vote by party. I'd, I'd say there is a demographic in the urban areas, but if you move out, there's people who are very much aware of who their representatives are in in different spaces, um, and that's just because of how, especially when it comes to the ZANU PF side, how deeply involved they are in those systems out there, especially in the rural areas. So that's that's the thing. But you spoke about cult of personality, and I think that's a... a segue. Segue <laughs> into the Robert Mugabe University. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I've forgotten about that. <laughs> <laughs> the Robert Gabriel Mugabe University, which will be... Um, which is said to be constructed in Mazoe, um, where there is... Cabinet has approved... Yeah, cabinet has approved eight hundred million dollars, and then there will be a two hundred million dollar endowment for uh, research. I think so. The total comes to a billion dollars, which is fascinating. Um, Fantastical! It's, it's flabbergasting. Where are they getting? It's bamboozling. <laughs> where is it? That was like my first question. I was like, "Where is the one billion coming from?" It was that in our budget. Uh, it's from the just no, coming no, from no, anywhere. From the 15, they took oh, it's from the 15. So now we okay. need 14 billion back. They're, they're, they're paying yeah. us. Um, now, Professor Moyer says that it's not like the money is coming all at once. Um, but it still is incredible that, uh, um, you know, it's the height of sycophancy. I've never seen someone kiss ass <laughs> so <laughs> successfully. <laughs> Um, as as Jonathan Moyer, he's a master at fellatio, 
Um, wow. <laughs> that's a tight so, it's um it's an incredible thing for for someone who's um, the minister of higher and tertiary education who's completely aware of how the university is not finished being built um great yeah. university hasn't been finished but i mean all of a sudden this is something that they want to do um i mean it's actually it makes me weak actually my my <laughs> my my, my, big, my biggest issue with it is a billion dollars <laughs> number one and the person to spearhead this is Professor Jonathan Moyo, a, a man who is known, known <laughs> for stealing for funds. Stealing funds. <laughs> known. This is, you know, and not known in Zimbabwe alone. In oh, Kenya, yeah. in, in South, South Africa. Africa. <laughs> you yeah. know, this is... Yes, but the was scandal was indicted. Indicted. Yeah. You know, was he <laughs> indicted? Did he go to court? I mean, you you know, put... put was he indicted? Was he indicted? <laughs> <laughs> He's our own minister. Okay. He's he's on he's in Mugabe's hand. He's in the palm of Mugabe's you know what? hand. I, I I honestly I think he's in this, Yeah, go ahead. It's 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 no, but it's very scary the way these things come up so haphazardly. Um you're speaking about NAST and GZU, but we have a lot of universities and I think Somebody Polytechnics asked too that exactly, actually yeah. could use that money, which are also in the STEM. So I, I don't understand when they're like, "Oh, we're building a STEM university." NAST, what does N- National University of <laughs> Science and Technology? technology yeah. So it's, it's, there's also Chinoy um, University, yes, which is near gotcha. Mazoe. Yeah. The, so what is uh, there's Bindura as well. You guys there's, are missing the point. Yeah. <laughs> None of those is called. Robert Mugabe University. That's, but you can just change a, the name. No, it's a name change. No, no. But, okay, no, but it's, fair it's enough. It's like getting secondhand clothes. Now he has a secondhand university. It's not the same. It's but if you're going to so kiss so these guys going to own effectively own the whole of Mazoe. Yeah, actually, yeah. that's another thing I too. Not, yeah. I would not be surprised. <laughs> I would not be surprised um, if the land from where this university is being built. This is all conjecture at the, at the moment, but I'm pretty sure if the land. That is, this university is being built. If it's not owned by the Mugabe's at some point already, then they're going to acquire it and, and double dip in this thing. Well, auntie, there are trustees in this university. Uh, the president and my Mugabe are, you know, the two trustees. I don't know if there will be any more. But Maybe they're kids. <laughs> but I, I, now... Just pop some bottles up in there. <laughs> but all this goes through and... You know, I, I really wish I could see Ms. Minister Chinamasa's face um, when when this came up in cabinet because he knows that there's no money. He knows. And twice he's tried to say, I can't pay bonuses. Can we just scrap the thing because there's no money? And twice that was overturned. So I really wonder what the thinking is. Clearly they, there is no logical thinking happening there. But, you know, how how are people, how do they actually justify some of the things that they put out? Because there's no how money. Do they sleep at I think night, it's man. like cognitive dissonance. Where like, you can recognize that our economy is where it is, and but at the same time, you still want to pander. It's just, and, then, and then consider yeah. the fact that, you know, Prof said, I think it was Nige, Sir Nige who asked him how many graduates there are, mm. and he put out a figure of, 24,000, I think. Yeah, but no, it's over 30,000, oh. including the polytechnics and the teachers' colleges oh. as well. Mm-hmm. So every year you're graduating over 30,000 people nationally. To go where? You see, the, exactly. Into which jobs? Exactly. So take a billion dollars and put it into something that creates jobs. employment rather than building a... They're, going to, they're actually going to tell you that building a university creates jobs because you need people to... To teach. To, no, to push wheelbarrows. Oh my god! And, and oh, all you sorts mean yes, and iron and, and wash clothes yeah, and, because yeah, that yeah. is giving someone a job. So between that, between <laughs> the university and the road, the Bainbridge Road, then they've created jobs. So, but you know, it's it's not sustainable because the university at some point will stop being built. But don't we have too many universities for the we size do. of population that we have? Are we are we producing enough? High school graduates with well, adequate qualifications and ability. Because remember, we had a 10-year stint where there was no teaching happening. Who can then... Because, you know, <laughs> the graduates that I'm seeing, the ones on attachment, guys, it's scary, eh? They're people who can't write. Nah. 
Yeah, I think that's also the thing because we forget that um, with the way the economy has gone, you know, most people in Zim are living in the rural areas and most people can't even afford to send their children to school anymore yes. to finish. Um, there are a lot of people, like a lot of domestic workers, like for example, the, the our former gardener, he's like 22. He can't, he's barely literate. He never finished grade seven. And for me, that was something that was like really shocking because, you know, you're told OZIM has such a high literacy rate. Yes. But then is that actually functional literacy just because someone can write their name and can count to 20? Can we really say that person is functionally literate? So would it's very top heavy to say, oh, we're building a university. Put that billion dollar into schools, primary schools. Their children, I think, is it in Matbeleland um, provinces? who have to go and walk for how many kilometers just to get to school because there are not enough schools in that district. But, so, but even when there's a you know, school, I went to Gokwe North, to Nembudzia, there's mm-hmm. a school, I think it's Motimuri, that is literally pole and Dhaka. And because it's yeah, they came from a flood, parts of the school are missing. So during the school day, when it rains... What's happening? I know what Henry's doing on the side. <laughs> when it <laughs> rains, they have to stand. One in a corner. And the teacher's in her corner with the blind. I mean, how do you learn in a condition like that? And this community is poor. Children are coming to school with no clothes, no, no food. food. How can yes. you concentrate if you haven't how eaten? How can you concentrate? Yeah. It, it comes down to priorities. And you're right about primary schools as well. There was a primary school in Mutasa district that had its um, the, its furniture uh, taken away. Taken away. Attached by the sheriff. Exactly, yeah. Because they, they had debts. <laughs> and literally all the tables, the classroom everything like kids were just standing now um so it it comes down to priorities mm. and we've got our priorities completely wrong messed up but it's 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 become the culture and it's a culture that needs to change it needs to change when you have some you sort know? of accountability and who these people are accountable to but they won't be because yeah. even from a personal <laughs> level jonathan moyo's kids they go to private school maybe mm-hmm. they don't even learn in the country they're going to, don't go to university in zimbabwe so for him, you know, he can make these decisions in a callous way because it doesn't affect him personally. But like you said, we have to change our culture because someone who's in government should be for the people. It's not for personal gain. It's not to suck up to the center of power, whatever. You should be serving the people. Yeah. Henry, you're going to say something? Um, I think at the end of the day, really, we can't expect them to do to do anything anything different from from what they know and how they, they it's just things to survive people are doing these things to survive um, the amount of impact that even just even if they were lying saying we found a billion dollars that we're going to put into the economy you immediately would see an economic uptick on the on the like you know expectation of this but um, I don't think we really have uh, a situation where people are are that concerned about it so yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens, and you know, within What's the a, sorry, before, yeah, carry on. Interesting view is um, the view by by Honorable Timber Moliso that he posted on Twitter just recently. That's what I was looking at just now um, about the suggestion that um, this is some kind of golden parachute for um, Robert Mugabe as an exit uh, package, um, you know playing back on these uh, insinuations and beliefs that uh, Professor Jonathan is working for the Americans or has links to the Americans. I don't know if you guys put... Um, um, Jonathan Moy even go things. to America. Yeah, like, yeah, he did. He yeah. lectured yeah, there. Did. Yeah. Yeah, he yeah. I think he got his okay. So he yeah. never got like um, sanctions for him to not travel or they've been lifted. This was in the, yeah. in the 80s or the 90s when okay. he was there and he lectured there. But then he's always... There's always been um, even the WikiLeaks documents. Yeah, the WikiLeaks documents. Yeah. There's and things. There's things that he has links to the CIA, and that you know, there's there's all sorts of. Um, shall so I say conspiracy? why I think it's innuendo. It's not innuendo. conspiracy. It's not conspiracy because no. Why? I mean, it is conspiracy because there's there's proof in the WikiLeaks cables that Jonathan Moore has been speaking, or you at that point in time was speaking to the Americans a lot, and. Another person that was speaking to the Americans a lot is Timber Mliswe himself, um, particularly in um, Rungwe West, um, 
when he was literally running programs paid for by the Americans. So him saying it gives it a little bit more weight. Okay, fair enough. Um, um, but I mean, it's obviously still a conspiracy and one never knows these things. Indeed, indeed. Speaking of... Yeah, sorry, on the subject of a golden parachute, I'd actually be okay with... If, if it was going to get rid of the family forever, just <laughs> like a $10 million, here you go, we'll ask no questions, just never come back. You think? I would be, as a taxpayer, I really... <laughs> $10 I would million be, is nothing to do. <laughs> I would be, I'd be like, no, I go. Like, I will ask you no trip. questions. <laughs> Take about, all your friends with you. I was about to you. ask, you think $10 million is enough? Hey, man, Bob is, what, Mugabe, 94? Mugabe travels with $3 million <laughs> in this place when he goes overseas. <laughs> But then we could end up this with is like something um, that the, the former finance minister told me. I know these things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we could end up with like a Sunny Abacha sort of um, situation. Mm. The former dictator of Nigeria, the military ruler, where like he literally stole billions of dollars from the Nigerian economy. But his family's there in Nigeria. They're living peacefully. Yeah. So, hey, you know, nobody knocks on the door and no, says, give us nothing. Our billions. No, nothing. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing. He was like a kleptomaniac. Manage for grace personally, for grace personally. So, more on Professor Moyo, uh, a couple of days ago, was it yesterday? I'm not sure. Um, A video from a presentation of his from Politburo. The Blue blue Ocean Strategy. (laughs) Leaked. The Blue Ocean Strategy is actually not his. It's, It's something they say that is that they're plotting or... Anyway, yeah, it's the Mnangagwa faction's plot to usurp power from President Mugabe. So, uh, Professor Moyo presented this video uh, in Politburo a couple of weeks ago. Uh, um, Apparently, it's 72 minutes long. Um, It's got, you know, different facets. There's all the statements guys like Matema Danda and Mutswangwa have been making. They are said to be aligned to his faction. There's journalists who were recorded um, speaking to Gandawa, I think. Uh, Gandawa is one of the Permseks who was caught up in this uh, Zimdef scandal, um, if I'm not mistaken. But um, And so there's a whole bunch of stuff in there that Prof presented to Politburo to uh, say that Mnangagwa has a faction and he's sole purpose right now is to become the next president and it leaked i don't know how it leaked or well, i suspect but um <laughs> prof, prof who do you suspect uh, it was prof. no honestly <laughs> because, unquote, yeah. Yeah, yeah i mean it, it, it doesn't make sense for it not to be him yeah, because yeah. he's the one who made the thing um i don't see why what use it would be for anyone in Mnangagwa's faction to or him himself to leak it because it makes no sense and, you know, Prof then tweeted that this is stolen property. Uh, it You are not allowed to have it or whatever. I, I responded. I said, well, report them to the police if it's stolen. <laughs> so we'll see how that goes. I'll follow up with them. But I yeah. didn't realize that um, police bureau meetings were recorded. I didn't. Or is it just that special one? No, was he, there like he, some sort of archive of no, all the meetings? No, it's a presentation. It was a presentation. Was, okay. So it was a. It, he so went, he, he put together a presentation. Yeah. Like, First of all, can we talk about how much you have to dislike somebody to put together a <laughs> seventy-two-minute PowerPoint? That's you know that's levels of dis- that's. Ooh. <laughs> but yeah. you know what's funny is they actually went to Politburo and they missed. Uh, question and answer because Politburo always falls on a Wednesday when they're supposed to be in Parliament. Anyway, so they go to Politburo and they sit there for 72 minutes. That's like a feature. That's that's a movie. That's that's like watching a movie. And they all sat there and they watched this thing. To be fair, I'd watch it because I think... Can I ask? Do you think was awake during this whole thing? No, he must have been asleep in the middle where the opening credits were right now. Wow. If that... Like honestly, like and and the, he was probably like, "Whoa, what I eat?" So the book. So the boardroom is is literally at the top of the Zambia building, and they all sat around the boardroom oh table. Gosh. And I really, you know, <laughs> do you think they if, watched it on if the laptop? If there is, if there is ever a, a film or something about the Zimbabwe situation. This is one of the moments that <laughs> definitely needs to be to be in it because it's it's incredible what they've done. 
But it goes to show how serious actually the factional wars within ZANU-PF um, have mm. gotten. And there is the rumor, or the Independent reported that um, Vice President Mnangagwa um, re- tendered his resignation that was rejected by the president. But um, if if he did, you know how when <laughs> when a when you're fighting when your girlfriend when your girlfriend and boyfriend and you're fighting. Mm-hmm. And you want the upper hand, and then as the girlfriend, you're like, you know what? Let's just break up, and it's a fake breakup. That's that's what he did. I feel like that's that's exactly what he did. He was just like, no, let's just break up mm-hmm. because it's not working out for you. Mm-hmm. And Gabi that means like, the relationship no. is not healthy, and they should break up. Anyway. <laughs> well, obviously, <True. laughs> you know, I think if it is true, which I I suspect it's not, but it's at that point where this has happened to my Juru before, mm. and. Looking at the situation, you're basically saying, "Why am I here? What you know? You there's these things happening. Mam Gabe is openly in public reprimanding um, him, and I see she said no. she said at uh, in in Chinoy, she said um, the vice president and I used to be very good friends. I don't know if he still wants to be my friend. You know, mm. that's that's very." Open and clear. Yeah. She's attacking people who are said who are said to be aligned to his faction um, publicly. So, and this is what happened to Maimjuru. So we're going to a situation where you're sort of replicating, and you're looking at it, and you're saying, "Well, you know what? I I'm not going to play this game. So I'll go straight to the head, and I will deal with it at the head." I don't believe he really wanted to resign. If it was mm. true. But it's basically saying, look, tell me what it is. Are, are, you, are we together in this thing where we're going? Or should I really just, you know... <laughs> but I think it was manipulative of so, both so people in that situation. That... I think Nangagwa was being manipulative in tendering his resignation after the 72-minute PowerPoint. And I think Mugabe is never one to let anyone, you know, just get away scot-free. He's like, you made your bed. Lie in it. I'm not sure what to make of any of this. I really, because I feel yeah. we may be saying this, and then come next year they'll all be like united on the exactly. on the ballot. So, oh no, come, hard come, to tell. come next year they're going in as a as a, a unit. unit. That's definitely what's happening. As a unit. Yeah. Uh, they, that's definitely what's happening. It's just it, that's never. It's just now these finding each other. <laughs> yeah, but also who gets what? Um, what's happening? And I really do think that within the Mugabe family and, you know, there really are preparations for what happens post-Mugabe's um, mm. presidency, mm-hmm. whether it is due to death, whether it is due to him stepping down, whatever the case might be, there really is a lot of concern over what happens within the family, what happens to the political party as ZANU-PF, because he really is the thread that is holding everything together everything mm-hmm. together and everyone but sometimes. isn't that what solomon and, and Drew had been warning for years trust. to say that you know What's he should pick us i'm saying wasn't that um solomon Mujuru's like main concern when he was still alive to say pick a successor and then yeah i don't know just sort of maybe did that die with that, him the or only person that, the only person that grace can trust to protect the mugabe interests financially and her interests is herself so then, so, but why angle for a career in politics, though? Because I feel like if your husband's been president slash dictator for 37 years, you're sort of, you're building a holiday home in the south of France. You you, you kind of don't want to be asked anything after that. They can't go to the that. south of France. Yeah, sanctions. Yeah, sanctions. Oh. <laughs> I think, and also the thing is maybe, I think we're giving these people yeah, too much credit. So <laughs> Yeah, I think we're giving them too much credit because a lot of the times I think they have this mentality to say that, oh, I'm always going to be in the system. Mm. So I don't need to sort of like, you know, externalize my money. We've seen it happen with a lot of former politicians who are now like broke and having their asset seeds and stuff like that. So maybe they didn't have a contingency plan. Well, that's very, that's Mm. poor planning, especially for a woman who's a mother of three children who are completely dependent (laughs) on the state. I think think, plan better. I think think now it's the concern, but before. It's not about money. You don't think it's, it's about, not money? about money? It's about it's not about money at all. They've got plenty of money, and if they were to be out of power and leave the country, they will be okay. Um, 
But then why does she want to be vice president? It's really about power. I don't know. It's about power. And why does she want power? Because without her husband, does she still have power? That's my question. If he's gone, does she still, will she still be powerful? If she's president, she does then. If she's She'll be a one-term president. She does. She'll be a one because it's it's like didn't she attacked Maimjuru in favor of who gained from that? Nangagwa, right? She's now attacking Nangagwa, I'm assuming, in favor of herself. But the thing my her power comes from her husband's position and existence. Once he's gone, once he's out, where is she? That's why she's working so hard to build her own base now. But does she? Yeah. Is she a credible? That's why she does not have a base. Does, is she credible? Because she I herself. Feel, I'm afraid yeah. if I support her, it could be we could be together today. And Mangwana, she's going to be saying my name at her rally. I don't need those problems. Uh, the, the whole that whole thing, my all those people, that whole thing is her building her own political base and her own political um, mileage. Her attacking these people, all these things. She's, her power is deri- derivative at the moment, but she's slowly gaining her own base. Um, and her husband tempers some of her, you know, basic in- instincts, in my opinion. But at the end of the day, when push comes to shove, you might find people like Savior, people like Jonathan, supporting a presidential bid um, or a vice presidential bid from Grace um, because it in- ensures their interests. And if she's in the presidium, she's in the presidium, and I think they'll respect that. And this is all conjecture and hyperbole at the moment, yeah. but I, that's genuinely where I see it going. We'll definitely have to see how it plays out. It's been, it's, it's, it's always interesting. She's not at the rally, as I said earlier, um, today in uh, Gwanda, so no fireworks there. It will be, you know, run of the mill. <laughs> Boring. Um, <laughs> Depends on who you ask, huh? Yeah. Depends on no, but definitely. I mean, it's very exciting. At least the papers have something to report. So I generally expect it to be very, very basic. They probably have started right now. Um, they're likely to be opening another. What do they call them? Information community information centers. Oh my god! <laughs> Is that like a, an internet cafe? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a community information center. So a PC from nineteen eighty something before mm. the internet. Mm-mm. Wow. Thank you so much, um, Tonde, and thank you, Penyu. Who, in case you guys haven't noticed, is here to stay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I sang on D&D for them. <laughs> <laughs> yes. um, so, yeah, no, thanks again for joining us. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you... Pleasure to be Tonde, here. you can tell us... Uh, you didn't actually plug your blog. You didn't tell us where oh, we can right. find you on uh, online yeah, property. Thank you. Um, you can find me at The Young African on all my platforms, Twitter, WordPress, Facebook, Instagram. So follow me there. All right, cool. Upenyu? I'm on Twitter, at Upenyu Makoni. I'm, actually, I'm everywhere, at Upenyu Makoni. So there's something... I always forget to mention whenever <laughs> Openu is here. Yeah. That Openu is... Uh, I'm suing the government. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I'm suing the government. Yes, well, me and like... Fist. I don't know how many other people have now signed up um, to a, sue the government for a, the right to vote. So it's the right to action. vote action. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. she's the lead applicant in a class action against the government, against Zek, and I don't yeah. know how many other respondents yeah. are on that. But uh, yeah, the right to vote... None of this uh, registering business. I don't agree with it. I think you should just present your proof, your ID, or mm-hmm. your passport, or your whatever it is that shows you're a citizen of this country and vote. Right? Okay. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. So, do you know when it's going into the. We submitted the paperwork. Well, the very nice lawyer submitted the paperwork. I had nothing to do with that. Um, and I think we're just waiting for a date. Yeah, I'll feedback next time. Was this an application to the Constitutional Court? It's an application to the High Court. High Court, yeah. Okay, yeah. It hasn't gone to the Con Court yet, Yet. but we're hoping. Okay. And Tenability Law is the one to. I'm I'm correct, right? Oh yeah, Tunde is. Yeah, no, yeah. It's um. I I think yeah, we are. We are so Tunde. Maybe you should just Kandaga CV. I know. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 
on our Chagawa bus. Anyway, you can find me at Chris Charamba on all social media. Um, yeah, hit me up. And yeah, I'm I'm Henry BT on all social media. <laughs> you, can't, you can't say Henure because Henry, it will be spelt badly. Didn't weren't you there when we were no, talking it's about literacy? <laughs> wow. Okay. Anyway, thank you very much. Uh, you listening to Politics and Beyond on Capital Two Six Free? Free to say. Free to do it. That's a penny's line. Yeah, I should say that part. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> and now. And now. Capital 263.